This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. I'm so excited as we move into this Easter season. Uh, we didn't get to have it last year the same way we, we do this year. And uh, it's an opportunity to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord and all that that means. And of course, we're going to be talking about it in this brand new series that we're in called Messiah. And uh, as we start this series, I want to pull you back maybe into something that you read when you were younger. It's a child's book called Hansel and Gretel. How many of you have read that book? And uh, Hansel and Gretel, and of course, there's many different recitations and stories and versions of that. But in that story, a boy and a girl went off into the forest. And uh, as a way of making their way back home, they dropped breadcrumbs as a way to remember the way to get back. And those breadcrumbs uh, have become a metaphor for leaving a trail behind in a story or in real life. And uh, in fact, uh, as we have it, Pastor Ben, did you have it? We have it, we have the breadcrumbs that are coming out here? Are they coming this way? Okay, we've got the breadcrumbs that are gonna be coming out shortly, in just a few seconds, they're coming. All right, so uh, if you think about in your story, every person that's in this place today, you came into life and you've had years of experiences. But if somebody were to meet you for the very first time, what would they experience? Here's the breadcrumbs. I forgot them earlier. That happens to preachers once in a while. And, uh, And when you're trying to tell people who you really are, you have to go back through the breadcrumb story. And you'll go, well, five years ago, this is what happened to me. And, and then about 10 years ago, this is when I met my spouse. And, and this is, this is the, the job, the first job I had. This is the first major mistake I made. And that led me to the place that I'm in. And we drop breadcrumbs, if you will. Now, who are you really? You're who you are now. But if you want to go back to an earlier story, I've run into people all the time that in their story, early in their life, they found Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus got a hold of them when they were a kid or they were a teenager. But then something happened later on in their life. And they're like, I, I lost it. I, for, I forgot. I don't know what happened to me. And I would just encourage you, if you met Jesus earlier in your life, follow the breadcrumbs back. Before you made the mistakes, before people did stuff to you, and remember that Jesus has been there all along. And perhaps if you've never met Jesus, we're gonna talk about in this series how you can discover Jesus for the first time and it will make sense of your entire life as you follow those breadcrumbs. Now the pandemic has stripped people of our breadcrumb trail back to home, if you will. And uh, society has so many real problems right now that the reactions and overreactions are everywhere we look. One thing has led to another just in the last 12 months. It was 12 months ago that I began to preach just to a camera and everybody was at home. 
And everybody was thrown into a different season of their story. And it's amazing how one thing has led to another. Think about the last year. The virus, the lockdown, the social distancing, the work from home, the school at home, the, the masks, the social unrest, the social media wars, the elections that led to misinformation and misinformation and disputed results and conspiracies and insurgencies and now vaccinations. Can I go on? It goes on and on and on. And with all the problems, human nature is to look at who we think should fix the problem. And sometimes we point out who's created the problem or whose fault it is and then choose the opposite of that person or their political party. And some look to movements as their cure. They look to other leaders as their, they look to governments or prophets or Christian celebrities and on and on. But listen, friends, humanity has a problem that it cannot fix by itself. We have a problem that we cannot fix by ourselves. Frustrated people are getting better at critiquing more, but they're not getting any better. Even the church has lost its cosmetic makeup that we had pre-pandemic. You know, how is the church doing? Is it doing good? We, we used to tell by attendance. And I, the size of a crowd at a church. Well, they must be doing good because they've got lots of people there. How I many know worldwide that got shut up? Now we have to go, how's the content of our faith when we're at home? What's going on in our story of our relationship with Jesus? Are we connected in a real way to a living God? That's what the real measurement is. All the outer stuff has been stripped away. This Easter season, we all have the opportunity to revisit the original breadcrumbs of history. There's a reason that Jesus is called the Messiah. Over the next three weekends, we're gonna explore the truth and power of the story of Jesus' death and his resurrection. We'll also discover how relevant Jesus is to every person that's on the planet in 2021. And the story didn't start here. It began actually a long time time ago. The story of Jesus the Messiah started in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and it continued through thousands of years all the way to your story. So I want to give you today, real quick, three breadcrumbs to follow back to the Messiah. Three breadcrumbs to follow back to the Messiah. The first one is this, discover or rediscover the Messiah in biblical history. You're going to discover who the Messiah is right at the very beginning of all of Scripture. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had sinned, God begins to judge Adam and Eve and the serpent, or Satan, there in the garden. He says this in verse 14, he's addressing the serpent. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring or your seed and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is really the first time we see the gospel in the Bible. The gospel is right there because it talks about Eve and, uh, and I want you to know, when you look at the Bible, there's hope from the beginning to the end. You don't need to get worried or, or, or frustrated or concerned about your future. When you look at the Bible, you can find hope throughout the entirety of Scripture. 
To God's people, there is hope in this story. To Satan, (laughs) there's a declaration of war. Satan is on the losing side of a battle. God says he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is a promise hidden right in the scripture. So Eve, Eve has sinned and Eve has consequences. How many know there's consequences to sin? But even in the middle of her consequence to sin, God begins to declare there's going to be something good come out of this. Because he says, your offspring, you're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids, and it's going to go on and on. We don't know when at this point in Genesis what it's going to be. It's going to be over a thousand years. But the offspring eventually would be, the one they're talking about there, God is speaking of, is of Jesus. For when Jesus shows up on the scene as the Son of God, he walks the earth as a a sinless person, and then he dies on the cross, and his blood that was shed was shed for each of us. And in the process of his death and his resurrection, he would actually crush the head of the serpent. You know how you kill a serpent? You crush its head. That's what would happen. He would ultimately crush the head of the enemy, and that is what was spoken of thousands of years beforehand. God puts the promise right at the beginning. If you follow the breadcrumbs, you'll discover that this story about Jesus is much more than just the the Good Friday and Easter weekend. It goes into the entirety of the whole Bible. There's a promise found. If you keep following those breadcrumbs after Adam and Eve, you're going to discover so many amazing things in the word. And listen, this isn't just something that's supposed to be read by pastors or grandmas. Come on. This Bible, it should be read by grandmas and it should be read by pastors. But this Bible actually is a breadcrumb story to your story. If you want to see transformation in your life, and your family, you can go back and you can discover early families in the book of Genesis. It moves on and there's good things and there's bad things. Things happen to families as they form and then they made mistakes and there's consequences for those mistakes. But God had a plan and he continued to move his promise forward in the life of those individuals. Jesus is with those people. Even in the Old Testament, you don't see his name, but God the Son is right there. And then you'll see amazing, epic stories, stories like Abraham, who's called the father of faith. He's the very first person that hears from God, and God says, go yonder, and uh, he goes yonder, and he creates a storyline. He says, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your your descendants as many as the sands on the seashore, the stars in the sky, and literally, the promise that God gave to Abraham is your and my promise. Later on in in Galatians, we're called heirs to the promises of Abraham. You don't know Jesus until you discover Jesus in the whole story. It goes on and on and on. In fact, there was a time when Abraham's grandson, Joseph, is now in a position of authority, and it's a grand story, you gotta read it in Genesis, But he's now an authority in in the government of Egypt. And he serves Potiphar, who is the top person. He's like the president or the king of the whole country. And now Joseph is there, and there's a famine throughout the whole land. And people are like, what are we going to do? It's a pandemic. What are we going to do in the middle of this story? And what does God do? He uses Joseph 
to lead all of Israel, which is now millions of people, all the way from Israel all the way down into Egypt for a time, so they're rescued. His people. His people were rescued. Of course, it became millions of people over time because in Egypt, they grew and they grew and they didn't leave and they didn't leave and it was 400 years. And now they were under the brutal neck of brutal slavery of, of, of Egypt and they were pounding the people, making them make these big pyramids that you now see. They're, they're slaves and they're under the brutal force and the authority of Egypt. And God hears the cries of Abraham's descendants. And he says, I'm gonna get them out of there. And he talks to another person named Moses. And Moses leads them out across in a miraculous way, across on dry ground. The Red Sea actually split and all of Israel goes across into the Sinai Peninsula. And there God begins to form the nation of Israel. And he gives them the laws. And in those laws, and some of you might have read things in the Bible that just seem kind of boring to you, and you, you look at Leviticus, and you look at, at some of the laws of the, of, of the scripture, and you're like, all these ornate objects and prayers and sacrifices, what does this all mean? Well, hidden within that was how people had relationship with God, but you'll also see the story of Jesus, because they had to offer sacrifices for sin. They had to offer a lamb for a sacrifice, and later on, John the Baptist would see Jesus when he was here on the earth, and he'd say, look, behold, the lamb of God. And there's a reality that God, through Jesus, was hidden in the breadcrumbs of history in the Bible. If you wanna discover who Jesus is, then you've gotta look at all of the story in the scriptures. Can I get an amen to that? Now, let me just say one thing about this word Messiah. How many of you have heard the word Messiah before? You know, I've discovered a lot of us don't know what the word means. It actually comes from two different words. Well, first of all, the Hebrew Messiah is anointed one in Hebrew. In Greek, it's Christ. They mean the same thing. So if you've heard of Jesus the Christ, you're hearing the same thing as the Messiah. Literally, Jesus is the Christ. Essentially, it's the same thing to say Jesus is the Messiah or Jesus is the Christ. Messiah or Christ mean anointed one. An anointed one appears in the Old Testament mostly referring to a ruling king. So they would have anointing at the beginning of their journey as a king. A priest would put oil on their forehead and it would designate as a symbol that God was with that king and everything that the king would do. But it wasn't the same thing as the big time, capital T-H-E, the Messiah. Because over time, the anointed one was someone that the prophets would point to later in the Old Testament times. The Messiah would rescue the people from their sin. Because hidden in the breadcrumbs of history, people looked at their leaders, they looked at their kings, they looked at the people that were in charge, and they did a good job, but it still didn't fix what was wrong on the inside of humanity. And Adam had sinned at the beginning, and we all got the consequences of Adam's sin, but as it says in Romans chapter five, verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, 
Jesus Christ. Are you with me today, church? There's so much more going on than what you see in 2021. Just as God did in history, God did things in the Old Testament. He was previewing that moment when Jesus would come. And now we can know that in the story that we're in, Jesus is still the anointed one. He alone can fix what no one can fix. Learn the depth and the breadth of God's plans for the world. And as you do, you'll discover the depth and breadth of God's plans for you. And if you don't, you might miss the Messiah in the present. See, when Jesus came on the earth, he was missed by many. They didn't understand it. They were looking for the person that would be elected to office. They were looking for the most influential person on Instagram. They were looking for Warren Buffett. They were looking for other people that would show them the way of that day and age. And they missed the fact that Jesus came as an ordinary person. The scripture says, touched with the feelings of infirmities just like you and me. And that he would die a humble, horrible death on a cross. And he rose from the dead for you and for me. Don't miss that Jesus could be in your story right now. Even before you, see, you get that thing you've been praying for, Jesus could be in your story right now. Three breadcrumbs to follow back to the Messiah. The second one is this. Tell the next generation. Tell the next generation. Despite the amazing history that I've just talked about, and there's so many amazing epic stories in the scripture, the people of Israel forgot who God was and who he, what he was about. As generation after generation was born and lived and died, something was absolutely vital to their future success and the viability of their nation. The key was for each generation to pass the information of what God had done for them to the next group. And the entirety of Psalm 78, in fact, if you'll turn there with me, in Psalm chapter 78, says that many times Israel did not pass that vital information on. They did pass on rebellion. They did pass on stubbornness. And the tragedies of the wanderings in the desert, the book of Judges, only revealed a failure in passing it on. And so the writer of this psalm sits down and he writes a song that is to be sung by every parent, every leader, every shepherd, everybody, and anybody who has influence on others. Look at this in Psalm 78. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob and gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. So if you want to learn something, teach something. It's the best thing you could ever do. And essentially this psalm was encouraging people to tell the stories 
the faith story of your life. Tell the faith story of the scriptures to the next generation. And the next generation isn't just our kids, although it includes our kids. It's everybody around us. Do you know how many people in America today don't know anything about the Bible? They know little snippets and little Twitter posts. They know little things about it, but they don't know the truth of the scripture or the truth of the love of God. They don't know the truth about family life and marriage. They don't know that it's the best thing for you to wait to have sex before you get married. They think that's just old-fashioned. In fact, I heard a story about an older gentleman, a grandfather who was on the porch and he's rocking his chair and his teenage grandson came up to him and he goes, Grandpa, what were things like back in the olden days? And he says, they were good times, but you got some good times too. And he says, but Grandpa, when it came to relationships and sex and stuff like that, what did your generation use for protection? And the grandfather looked at his son and he held up his wedding ring. He said, this is what I use for protection. Sometimes the value of that grandfather didn't get passed to the grandson. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? There is something about the value of relationship with God and understanding his truth that has to be shared with people around us or they bear the consequences of their sin. There are consequences to that. The insecurity of life, if you don't follow that way. You know, when I was, uh, our kids were younger, Jody and I, we would pray with our kids at night. And, uh, and uh, I wanted to get my boys, now boys are different than girls. If you've only raised girls, you don't know what the boys are like, and it's vice versa is also true. Um, I'm discovering as now we have a daughter-in-law and we have girls around the house, girlfriends, of my sons, it's really awesome to be connected and understand the other side. Jody's like, finally. You know, even our dog is a boy, so she's like, she's got girls around. And, uh, but when our boys were younger, um, they were fidgety, they would get bored. When I would wanna read the Bible to them or I would wanna tell a story or I'd wanna pray with them, they would just, they, I don't know, it was ADD, I don't know what it was, but they just, they couldn't stay with me. You guys tracking with me? They're just little kids like, and so I had, to, I had to figure out ways to share the story. So I'd be like, I'm gonna tell the story about Daniel and the lion's den. And did you know that Daniel was thrown into this jail cell? It was dark and there's big, huge lions. And I would, I would actually dramatize what I was reading as a way to tell the next generation. Sometimes it doesn't pass because we haven't made it interesting. We haven't shared the story in such a way that it matters. Why does it matter? You know, if a, if a kid or a people around us, all they ever hear is no, 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 no. You can't do this, you can't do this, and you can't do this. Their number one question is why not? Let me tell you why not. Because there's temptations. And in my story, I've been tempted in earlier stages of my life. I could have gone this direction. My friends, they did. And it wrecked their life. And now they're in, in, in trouble. And if I could share the why behind the rules, maybe they can know the person behind the rules who is God and cares for their soul. Psalm 78 says to begin to sing it. 
sing it to them. Let them go. You know, psalms are, are meant to be sung, and sometimes they were called and call and response, but they would sing it out. In a sense, telling the next generation isn't giving them the facts, it's giving them the full truth embodied in you. When I would pray with the boys at night, after I would share the story, I would read a book or whatever it was with I was doing at the time, I would pray. And they just, I go, why don't you pray? No, I don't want to pray. All right, then pray after me, okay? Now, if I just prayed the words, it didn't necessarily get them. So I would have to sing it out. I'd be like, Lord, and then boys would go, Lord, I need you. I need you. And we would begin to sing it out, sing our prayers to God. That's more true to what the scripture really did. They would sing it out to the Lord. And you and I can learn to pass it on. We can do it privately. We can also pass it on through our attitudes. Philippians chapter two, verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but in humility consider others better than yourself. That's one thing to read in the scriptures. It's another thing to live out and show the people around us. It goes on in Philippians two to talk about having the same attitude which was also in Christ Jesus. This year at Easter, I am saying to the church, we need to re-immerse ourselves in the fullness of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It's not just a cute story like an episode on Netflix that people remember for a moment. No, it is the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to tell the world through how we live, how we talk. They need to catch Jesus is living and real in 2021 just like he was 2,000 years ago. Can I get an amen, church? We've got to leave the breadcrumbs with our lives. Is Jesus a real part of your conversations or is he compartmentalized into Sunday morning? You know, you got an opportunity to share the story of Jesus coming up here the next two weeks. We've got the next two weeks, this whole series about Messiah. You can invite friends, family, and then we got Good Friday service and Easter services at each of our locations. Why not bring somebody with you into the story and tell the next generation? Third, back to following the Messiah, is embrace Jesus as your Christ, your anointed one, the Messiah. Embrace him freshly, if you will. Do it in a new way. Do it in a real way, we all can look to preeminent experts on a variety of subjects. Warren Buffett for investment, top athletes in your sports. Some look to political figures, others to Christian celebrities, TikTok influencers, Instagram influencers. But I want to tell you this. If we're really honest, as Tim Keller says, we would prefer Jesus as a consultant rather than a king. Sometimes he's been pushed into the category of Warren Buffett when he's not that. I love uh, the Chronicles of Narnia where talks, Aslan is the figure, the uh, figure of Jesus, really. And Aslan is not a tame lion, it says in the, in the Chronicles of Narnia. He's not a tame. In other words, let's not treat Jesus like we treat every other person we follow in the social media world or the people that we respect. He's the son of God. He saves our sins. There's no one like him. 
Embrace him freshly as your anointed one. Who do you look to for leadership through your fears and concerns as you walk into the future? This means you get to receive the promises of Jesus. When you embrace him, you get to be him in a sense. For as it says in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Did you see that? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under whose feet? Your feet. So not only did the Messiah crush the enemy, but as children of God, as, as people saved by Jesus, we too can crush Satan underneath our feet. When you embrace Jesus, you get all of the promises of Jesus. What spiritual warfare are you facing right now? Instead of enduring it, look to Jesus and step on the enemy's head. In closing, every person needs to decide what they will do with Jesus the Messiah. Shakespeare wrote so many great plays and many people have read and studied them. We got to see Shakespeare's birthplace on a trip to the UK last year and Shakespeare's kind of woven himself into society hundreds of years later just through phrases he's used. But he basically uh, narrowed down all stories into two categories. One was the comedy and the other was the tragedy. And there was a moment in every Shakespeare play when the audience find out which type of play they're watching. If it's a comedy, it's gonna turn out good. If it's a tragedy, it won't turn out good. Nowadays, we, we think a comedy is just funny stuff. <laughs> but for, for Shakespeare, it was about things that would turn out right. And in that moment when the audience discovers it, it's, it's in the third act. The first, first act and the second act are all about the plot building and tensions going on. If you can think about your life and the tensions of your life that have been building, what determines what's gonna turn out good or bad for you? Well, it's that third act. In act three, we learn that either things will work out terribly like Romeo and Juliet, and that's a tragedy, or that despite the circumstances, everything will work out like much ado about nothing, which was a comedy. Do you know what that term for that crucial moment that the audience discovers it is in act three? It's the crux. It literally is called the crux. And crux literally is the crucial moment, the Latin word for the cross. The crucial moment for your future is determined by what you do with the cross of Jesus Christ. The crucial moment that determines if your life goes for the good or for the bad is determined by the cross of Jesus Christ. Every person's story hinges on the crux or the cross. So if your life is a tragedy or a comedy, does it end well? That's determined by what you do with the cross. And the crux of the matter for you and for me is, what will we do with Jesus not just the first time you give your life to Christ, but every moment of your life after that moment. If we turn in our stories and look to Jesus, he takes our sin and sin will no longer be our master. And when we follow Jesus, we don't have to worry about the future. But if we don't turn to Jesus, our story becomes tragedy. We can't make it through the tension. If we do turn to Jesus, our story turns into something better. And if God went through all of the Old Testament, all of the scriptures get to that moment 
when Jesus was on the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and then rose from the dead, if God went through all the effort to lay the, the breadcrumbs of history to that moment, don't you think he's prepared for your moment right now? That the Messiah is ready for you? He knows what you need, and he is the anointed one. He is the anointed one. He's the only one that can step in and calm the troubled seas. He's the only one that can take those things that seem so out of control and give you an optimistic future to have the peace that passes understanding. He's the only one that can step into a story and give you the wisdom for the decisions that you need to make this week. He's the only one that can course correct you and me in the place we need to go for our next steps. He alone is our hope. And today, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. You know, every Saturday I come into church and I walk the sanctuary and I pray. And as I'm walking and I'm praying, inevitably, I start singing to the Lord. There's nobody else in here. And I'm like, Lord, you know. Because <laughs> I don't care what anybody thinks about me at this point. I'm just singing it to the Lord. You know, Emmanuel. Started in 1963. And Lord, you know that the gospel is preached week after week in our church. And over the years, thousands have come to faith. But oh God, as we look into the this coming weekend, I don't want to rest on what you did last week or 10 years ago or 30 years ago. Lord, I need the anointed one to step in in my life today. I need the anointed one to step into my family today. I need the anointed one to come and help me through my troubles. The things I can't control. I need the anointed one to help me. This is exactly how I pray on Saturday. I'm already getting into the rhythm. Because I want to tell you something. Something happens when I lean in and bow my knee once again before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Where I remember he's not just a cool story. He's not just a name that I put on, uh, on my life. Yes, I'm saved by grace. No, he's one I need in the present tense. He's one I need to step into my life right now. He's one that can help me through the things that I don't understand. He's the one that will help me walk into my future through every tension that I may have. Jesus is real time, baby. He is on time. He is available for you right now. And I know that you've got breadcrumbs back in your story. But let me tell you this. If you follow the breadcrumbs all the way back to the very beginning, when you were inside your mama's womb, right there it says that God was there, weaving and shaping you together. You see, at the very beginning, Jesus was there for you. The the question is, as you stand in this decade of your life, whatever, however old you are, whatever moment that you're in, in this moment, can you follow the breadcrumbs back and recognize that there's a loving God that cares about you and your story, that he wants to help you and be near to you, and he's waiting for you to humble yourself and embrace the anointed one, the Messiah. 
He's waiting for you to embrace him right now in real time, baby. Let me tell you, when you do, demons tremble at the name of Jesus. There's not going to be company of the enemy when you bow your knee before Jesus. He's gone. You crush the enemy in your life when you turn to Jesus. Would you stand with me today in each of our locations? Hallelujah. 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 Can you just put your hands out like this? We're humbling ourselves before you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that this year we can come in a fresh and a new way. Lord, you've kicked out all of the crutches, all of the outward props holding us up. There's nothing left but you. You are a firm foundation. Lord, I pray, God, that you would ignite, restore, fan into flame the love we have for you, the awe we have for you, the sense of closeness that, Lord, we want with you. I pray, God, that you would put in your children's hearts a desire to hold you above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would awaken, Lord, in your church the true story, the true breadcrumbs that go back, and we can pick up on what you did in Israel and what you did in the New Testament church and we can take those things on as our promise for today. But Lord, awaken us. Restore the love. Lord, move us in a direction, oh God, where, where we, we are where you want us to be. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. We come before you. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves before you. Just close your eyes. Go ahead and put your hands down just for a moment. I ask the question, you're with us today and the truth is that you don't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you once did and you walked away but you need to come to Jesus now you need to give your life to him the best thing that you could ever do is not think about it not stew on it the best thing you could do is go yeah I, I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to come back to him and I want to pray with you right now if you need to come to Jesus you need to give your life to him today or come back to him you're going, Pastor Nate, I know I need to surrender to Christ. I need to bow my knee before heaven. I've been walking away, and I need to get right with Jesus. I need to do it right now. I know I need to do it. I want to pray with you. And if that's you, no one's looking around, but if that's you, just put your hand up. Say, that's me, Pastor Nate. That's me. I need to come back to Christ. Yes, 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 yes. Four people in here already. And I know each week God is doing things in each of our services. Last week we had over 50 people give their lives to Jesus. God is on the move in people's hearts. Anybody else? All right, I want to lead you in a prayer. If you raise your hand and if you're at home, you can pray right along with this as well. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. You came to the earth. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead, and I know you're alive. Today, I surrender to you, and I ask you, Lord, to change my life. Lord, forgive me of my sin and make me new. I am yours, and you are my Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Go ahead and give the Lord some praise today.
I'm so excited because God is moving in this place, in this service, and he cares about you. If you just prayed that prayer, listen, I believe all of heaven is leaning in. Having a party when even one person comes home. You're really special, really important to God, really important to us. I want you to take the next step, though. I don't want to, the breadcrumbs to stop now. I want you to stay in the story of following Jesus. And if you would, take out your phone for your next step. Just text the word Emmanuel to 313131. If you just text that word, I'll send you a link right now. Uh, helpful information on taking your next steps of following Jesus. Hey, one more time, would you give it up for all those that gave their life to Jesus today or came back to him? Amen. Amen. Ah, so the experiment. I was amening myself in the front row. What's up with that? Uh, that was fun. Um, the word of God is powerful, amen. And even in the New Testament church, when an apostle would write a letter, they would reread the same letter over and over and over again. This is something that's actually biblical that we did today. But I'm just glad that the anointing still works in the house. And part of the anointing is the anointing of Jesus in the present tense is the anointing of Jesus comes over your life and it comes over your family. And the anointing of Jesus breaks the neck of the enemy, crushes his head under our feet. When we invite Jesus to be our Christ, our Messiah, he becomes the anointed one in the present tense. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details.